This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mother Code. Hi, and welcome to Mother, Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And I'm so excited for today's show and was really, really looking forward to the time I was going to have today with Julie Ryan. So welcome, Julie. I'll say that before Thank I say you. a whole what lot a more delight. about you. What a delight to be with you. Thank you. Um, I've gotten to know Julie over the last six months or so after hearing you on someone else's podcast, which I love, um, that we, how we can find out about each other and was immediately drawn to what you do as a medical intuitive, a psychic and your whole story, which I'm not going to share a whole lot of here. Cause I want you to, because it's, it's, it's very profound and relatable. Um, but when looking at some of your bio material, I, I noticed that it was, I thought this was funny because this about you was at the very end of the bio when it was most, even though it was worded. So I'm going to say it first, which most importantly, Julie is a wife, mother, grandmother, sister, aunt, and friend. So I thought we'd start there. And instead of saying all the other great stuff about you, but as I said, psychic and medical intuitive, but has had just an immense business career uh, and inventor and business starter of many, many businesses, which I'd love for you to share even a bit about what some of those were, because I find it really fascinating um, and kind of came into your abilities and what you're doing here and now with this aspect of your work kind of naturally. And, and it, it evolved for you. And I think that's something that's really beautiful. And I want us to speak about that, but you know, your 35 year career inventing surgical devices, sold throughout the world, founding several companies in the medical natural gas, advertising, long-term care, compliance, and data breach prevention industries is also pretty profound in itself. So, um, and you're an author, don't want to leave that out. You, your book is amazing. Uh, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next angelic attendance is like the main title. Um, I've read it. I've, loved it and amazed by it. you've written some children's books and some other books that we can name and we'll put all of that in the show notes. But Julie, I'd love it if you would share with my audience about you and your journey. And I, I want people to get to know you in that way. And then we'll take our conversation from there. Well, thanks for that lovely introduction. And I love that you put mother, wife, sister, friend, all of that at the beginning, because that's the bottom line. All this other stuff doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's all the personal relationships that we have. And as you mentioned, I am a, a businesswoman and an inventor who learned how to do woo-woo, and I'm a buffet of psychicness. That's what I tell <laughs> I people. But I turn my abilities on and off at will. So I do laundry and full laundry and I fix dinner and I 
you know, do regular stuff every day and, and uh, have a regular life. And then I, I turn my abilities on and off and my abilities are all learned. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do all these things. I am not a psychic who's had dead people chasing her since childhood, or if I did, I didn't know it, let alone what I would have done with that information. Yeah. And everybody can learn this stuff, Gertrude, you know, this, that it's, sure. we all come in with the ability. It's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. Yeah. I love that. Um, about you, Julie, like not making it out to be like, well, I'm, you know, super special. Like it, it may have presented itself in a way that you were like, you couldn't ignore and, or didn't want to ignore, or it was there. And so you, you really did. And I, I love that you underlined that developed yourself, you know, in your psychic and intuitive abilities. And, um, and I think that's something I speak about in, in a different way with rewriting the mother code is I really want us to look at work on what's anything that's in the way of us being in contact with our intuitive selves, with what we sense, what we feel, what's, you know, what's there and, and right for us. And that, just that start. And then we're, and it may lead us in this direction, or I may decide or just choose. I, I maybe haven't had that sense at all, but I, I want to, and to know that you can, I think is a huge invitation for people. And it takes some of that, a little of the woo woo-ness out of it in a way that might be, people can be more skeptical, I guess. So well, we all make it do very it. Practical. We all, we all, think of, we've all had experiences where we think of somebody and then we run into them or we get a text from them, or we get a call or an email and we say, oh my gosh, I was just thinking of you earlier today or yesterday. And we think what a coincidence, what a coincidence, that's your intuitive ability at play and little children, especially, which is why I've written the children's books little children can see spirits. They can communicate with spirits. We all come in with the ability. And then about the age of seven or so after they've had a bunch of grownups say, Oh honey, that's not real. That's just your imagination. They learn to not trust it and they shut it down where if we were to just foster it and say, well, tell me about it. The children come up with information that can be corroborated with relatives or with historic documents online in the case of a past life situation where you just think there's no way my three-year-old can make that up because they don't read yet. How do they know this information? And then when that happens and we can foster it, we, we teach them to learn to trust that sixth sense. And oh my gosh, what a problem solver. What a what a resource for them to have access to universal intelligence. Yeah, I was um well, so much of what you said I want to comment on. <laughs> it's so true. I was thinking everything from how much we are oriented toward our left brain thinking um side of logic and reason and language. Um in a way that really shuts down our right brain emotional side. Uh, I recently had Jill Bolte Taylor on the show. So I'm like very into, you know, looking at these four characters and quadrants of our brain, but exactly what you described, like, well, that doesn't make sense. Or how could they, how could they know that they can't read Um, as opposed to opening ourselves up to, we are all connected. This is, 
you know, universal oneness and wisdom that is available to us. And as in addition to just that playful side, right? Like the, it, it doesn't even, even, you know, those are maybe some serious things that kids are saying, uh, and you know, that can be really helpful, but there's also just that joy and pleasure and in the momentness. I think that's also something that I would imagine needs to be fostered in order to be that much more in touch with our intuitive or psychic abilities is to really be present in the moment and not let, let our left brain thinking and even emotions like shut it right down. Cause that's what we, well, we're, trained we we're trained to shut it down. Yeah. We're trained to shut it down. And one of my favorite stories about a child, one of my dear friends, his, her grandson, his name's Walt. A great name. His name's Walter. And <laughs> when Walter was about three or four, he was in the pool or in a lake or something with his mommy was swimming around and she was holding him. And he said, mommy, you're my favorite of all of my mommies. And she said, well, wow. honey, I'm your only mommy. And she said, no, he said, no, no, mom, you're my favorite of all my mommies. And again, she said, well, I'm your only mommy. He said, no, mom, here's how it works. Babies are born to a mommy and a daddy, and then they grow up and then they die. And then they're born to a new mommy and daddy. And then they grow up and they die. And we do this lots of times. And you're my favorite of all my mommies. And so, of course, she's on the phone with her mom, getting her mom to call me going, what the heck? What is this with Walt? And I said, well, what a compliment. Yeah. And, and what confirmation that this little boy knows about past lives. How could he know that? He'd never been taught that. He hadn't Mm -mm. heard that. He wasn't reading yet. No. So how would he know that? We all come in with this intelligence and we have the ability to communicate with anybody we want, whether their spirits attached to a body or not, because we're all spirits attached to a body, having a human experience and everything's made of energy. Our heads are like big satellite dishes and we receive and transmit frequencies. So to get in touch with somebody telepathically, all we have to do is think of someone, whether we knew them or not is irrelevant. So who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to Moses or Napoleon or Elvis or Mother Teresa or whomever. It doesn't matter whether you knew them or not, your grandmother, you just think of them and they immediately come in their spirit. I, I mean, I, I've, uh, that's so beautiful. How lovely. And cause I've thought about uh, this was something I was thinking about asking you. So you just answered it. Um, I must, we must've, I must've been intuitively be communicating or something. <laughs> yeah. ESPN. That's what, that's what we always say that I Sending forget what the messages. movie was. It, it was Amanda Seyfried, the actress, and they were doing something it's like, she goes, I must have ESPN. <laughs> It's a psychic ability. Sure. Yeah. Extrasensory perception network. You know, I guess we could say that. Uh, Which was thinking about, because I I tune into or, you know, pray to and and ask for support from divine feminine, you know, presences like Kali and Mary and, you know, taught to kind of believe like, yes, you can. Well, first of all, I was raised Catholic. So, you know, in the fact that, you know, somewhere along the line, it was decided by the patriarchal notion that you needed an intercessor and we're going to try and cut off that direct communication because obviously it's powerful and it works. 
Um, so I've thought of, but this is like a whole different way of thinking about prayer. I believe, you know, that I really am connecting directly and I don't know, it seems kind of obvious, but it just, the way you're describing it is really striking me, uh, really profoundly. And and I have a story. I have a story about the Virgin Mary. She shows up in healings when I'm having a healing done by my mentor of 30 years mm-hmm. with whom I studied for six years, all of this woo-woo stuff. And anyways, uh, a couple, I was last week, I had a client who told me that she was a painter and she painted a uh, portrait of the Virgin Mary or painted an oil painting of the Virgin Mary. It's huge. It's like 10 feet by seven feet or something. And mm-hmm. it's hanging in a church in Memphis. Catholic church in Memphis. And the next morning I came in and I turned on my computer and she had sent me a photograph of her standing next to her painting. The Mm -hmm. face of the Virgin Mary was my mother's face, Gertrude. I gasped and I said, holy mackerel. And it was my mother, how she looked when she got married, when she was around 30, she was in her late twenties, early thirties. And it was so interesting because the, the painting is in color, but the face is in black and white. And at first, even I, after doing this tens of thousands of times, you know, with thousands of tens of thousands of clients over all these years, I thought, okay, am I imagining this? Right. So I sent a picture of it to my brothers, both my brothers and my husband and my son. And I said, who's this look like? And they all came back and they all said, Vanna or mother. And I said, okay. I needed to verify that I wasn't seeing Even for myself. Wow. And so that was a, wow. that was a message from my mother who's been dead 20 years this year. Mm. And it was a message from my mother And think about how unlikely is that? Right. I could show you a picture of her wedding. It is her face that this woman painted 15 years ago on this Virgin wow. Mary painting that's hanging in a church in Memphis. So the virgin, that whole mother energy shows itself to us in a multitude of ways. And I find when we're open, it shows in ways there's no way we could imagine. I expected to see a painting of a Virgin Mary statue or, you know, depiction that I'd seen many times, something that would look like that. But here it is, my mother's face. I posted it on my social media. If you go to ask Julie Ryan on any of the social media oh, I will. platforms, you'll see it. I'm going to look for that. Well, interesting little thing that just happened. Well, when I brought up the Virgin Mary and you said, oh, I have a story of the Virgin Mary, this something fell over next to me. And then I picked it up. I'm like, I think I know what that is. And it was this, <gasps> like literally like fell over. Um, and and you can't make that stuff up. You can't make that stuff up. And I have goosebumps oh, with you just in saying case that. In case you're not actually watching this, what I just held up was, it's actually a coaster of Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, Virgin Mary. And I just used her as an example earlier this week with a client because we were talking with her deceased father or somebody, I don't even remember who it was. And they said, I think it was, 
the grandfather had died. She wanted to know if the grandfather had a message for her grandmother. And he said, look for the roses. And he showed me those big open roses that were Mm -hmm. inside the Virgin Mary's cape in Mm -hmm. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. And And the other thing that was interesting is normally when there are Marian apparitions, I obviously was raised Catholic like you, Mm because I know all this Catholic stuff. But when the Virgin Mary shows up, most of the time there is a scent of roses in the air. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fascinating that he showed me, he showed me a rose and immediately what I thought of was Our Lady of Guadalupe. And now you're showing me a picture of her two days later. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope those listening are co-voyaging with us and, you know, whatever meaning you can draw from, I, what I'm aware of, Julia, is it's awakening yourself to the things that are going on around you all the time that I'm just not tuning into, right? But if I choose to tune into them and find the meaning, I, you know, I don't have to know what it is, but I got goosebumps when that happened. And I Me had, too. I had, you know, I'm going to trust that sense. I, I could explore it further if I wanted, or I could just enjoy that that moment just happened and smile and, and feel like, oh, I'm not alone right now. You know, now I'm tearing up, but um, <laughs> I'm never well, alone. And, right? a, and a couple of things, those goosebumps are validation bumps from spirit. That's spirit mm-hmm. saying, yeah, pay attention to this. This is this. There's more to the story than this. This is not a coincidence. And, mm-hmm. and coincidences, there are no such things as coincidences. But I think the synchronicities of all of it in, in less than a week's time, my mother's picture shows up, her face shows up on a portrait of the Virgin Mary. I get the rose thing for Our Lady of Guadalupe. You bring it up. Your coaster of Our Lady of Guadalupe falls over. I mean, that's all within a matter of days. And I always say, you just can't make this stuff up. And that synchronicity that we experience, we're being led. There's something there that we're being led to explore. And if we can just, to your point, Gertrude, just be open and see where we're being led step by step. We don't need to have a roadmap Mm-mm. because what, what they say, make plans and watch God laugh. Yeah. <laughs> we all do that. And so, yeah. Like interesting. That. Well, I love that. And um, there was something else I was thinking about when you were talking about the, um, I forget who it was that said, you're my favorite of all my mommies. Is that your not my friend's no. daughter, Her friends, Her my friend's, friend's daughter. daughter's son. Yep. So my friend's granddaughter, grandson, Walter. Uh, it reminded me, it brought me back. I had whatever you call it like this. I was actually with my daughter. She was probably definitely less than three months old, like little. And I had her at a retreat with me, you know, so we're, I'm kind of in that zone space, a bit of, of, being more mindful and thoughtful. And literally, I think it was a time for us to just go be quiet with ourselves. So I had her with me and I, I can't say hundred percent. I know I was meditating or what I was actually doing, but I was suddenly like struck with this fact that we were communicating and she was saying, I don't know how she said it, but it was basically the communication was like, oh, now it's your turn to be the mommy. Like I was the mommy last time and now it's your turn. 
And I was like, what? Like, you know, I didn't have like necessarily a bin to put that in, but I was open enough at the time to be like, cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I wonder, you know, what that was, what that was like. I, I probably, uh, now in hindsight, it would have been neat to like kind of continue that conversation or, you know, find out more or tune in, but just to have that experience. Right. I felt like well, we can do gift. that. We can do that oh. anytime we can do it now. If you want, we can find out what the circumstances were, where you were, when it was all that kind of stuff we do. I do past life. I call them past life scans all the time. And they're so much fun because let's do one. Oftentimes we can corroborate the historical documents, documents online with the information that we get, which tell me your daughter's name. Her name is Morgan Elizabeth Lyons. Okay. All right. Well, how I do this, of course, I'm an entrepreneur, so I have to do it differently than anybody yes. else. That's what we entrepreneurs do. <laughs> we, we hear something, we go, okay, well, we can tweak that. Yes. Most people do past life work with regressions. They'll do hypnotism and all of that. I envision myself in this endless hallway, Gertrude, and it it has very tall ceilings, very narrow walls. And the walls are lined with big square mirrors. And they're all lined up perfectly horizontally and vertically. And each mirror represents a different lifetime. So we're going to ask a question and I'll say, show me which lifetimes this correlates with. And the mirrors that, that resonate with our question are going to come out from the wall as if they're on a hydraulic arm. And then I'll say, show me the one that correlates the most. And that one will come out the furthest. And then I'll envision myself walking into it. And it's like, I'm walking into a movie and I'll be given where it was and when it was and a little bit about what was going on. So do you have a question in particular that we want to explore with that? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is because when I just shared it was, oh, I wonder, you know, if she had more to say, or was there, you know, more of a communication if I had kept the conversation going? Um, because she seemed, you know, certainly like happy that she was, we were trading places now and, you know, it was a positive experience at the moment, but, you know, is there more she would have liked to have said at that time? So I get a yes on that. (laughs) We don't have to do a past life on that. I get a yes, she would have, but, but you can, that, that's the thing that's so cool about this story of yours with her is that we can communicate with anybody telepathically, whether they're deceased or whether they're alive. We're commu- mm-hmm. communicating our spirit to their spirit. And that's what you were doing with that tiny baby. And certainly indigenous cultures have been doing this since the beginning of time in mm-hmm. Australia and the Amazon and who knows where else, many, many other places. And they've been doing it for millennia. And as we've become more well-educated, we've shut it down because we were very proof-based. Exactly. So yeah. How about if we find out where your most recent past life was that when she was your mother? Okay. Okay. Do you want to do that? Okay. I close my eyes. I turn my abilities on and off at will, as I mentioned, but I close my eyes because it just, it gives me less distractions. And I, it's kind of like if you're watching a movie in a dark room, you, you know, you can kind of pay attention to it more. Absolutely. So that's what I'm doing. So tell me your daughter's name again. I'm sorry. 
Morgan. Morgan. Okay. I'm a visual learner. Can you tell? You told me. And then I'm like, if I see it, I remember it. All right. Does do Gertrude and her daughter Morgan have any past lives in which Morgan was Gertrude's mother? Okay. A whole bunch of mirrors are coming out from the wall. Show me the one that's what the most significant, the most recent. What are you most interested in? Let's go with most significant. Okay. Show me the one that's the most significant of all of these. All right. So I'm getting 1831. You're on, you're on cliffs in Ireland Mm. and you're aristocrats. You're an aristocrat. You're the, your dad is an Earl or a something like that, or a count or a Duke or something along those lines. You have a big manor house that you live in, but it's way up high. I'm seeing it way up high on these cliffs overlooking the ocean. And what I'm getting with that is you're basically being forced to marry somebody for strategic alliance reasons more than love. And your mother is comforting you. Morgan's your mother. Your mother's comforting you because she went through the same thing. And she says, you can develop love in any situation. You can learn to love your husband, even though you're not in love with them. And you're rebelling as the daughter saying, I'm not marrying this guy. I'm going to run away or I'll jump off this cliff or I'll whatever. And you and your mother, Morgan, who was your mother in that lifetime, she is saying, no, 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 no. You know, this is something that's going to be really good for our family, really good for their family. You're going to be the bond. You're going to be the, you know, duchess or countess or whatever. And, uh, and you're going to have a lot of prestige and you're going to have a lot of influence over people Mm -hmm. to help people. And especially you can help other women by giving them and by empowering them is Mm -hmm. what I'm getting. So let's fast forward to this lifetime. Certainly the empowering women thing is going to resonate. What else resonates with you? Are you in a forced marriage? (laughs) Are you in an arranged marriage? (laughs) (laughs) I am not, but it's so interesting. You know, like, of course I would say I, I, I fully chose it, but it's so interesting with my, so my daughter's engaged and she is um, getting married next February. And these things are getting stirred up in me as she's planning her wedding that I didn't even give a second kind of second thought to. It's like, oh, I'm going to, of course, just do all the traditional things like that you do for a wedding. But somehow now as she's going through it, I'm like infuriated with some of these practices. Like, I'm just like, where is this coming from? Like I've you know, I don't want to put this on her because this clearly is about me, but who does my husband think he is like, like claiming to walk her down the aisle and give her away to, you know, another man. Like, and I, I've just been, I haven't thought about it in a while, but when we were talking about this and, and that part of the wedding and why am I so upset about that? And you know, like now I know, like, you know, and I thought, well, I didn't let myself really think about that now, you know, in my twenties. And I really did, you know, want to marry him, but there is a lot driving me marrying him around security, around him being well off around him, you know, being 
the one that would provide. And a lot of the, you know, kind of traditional kind of patriarchal things, I was like totally on board for. <laughs> well, that's what we were, and we were trained to do. Yeah. yeah. That's what you we know, were trained I was to still do. working, you know, I had enough of like feeling like I had a sense kind of of myself, but really not like was really. So I, you know, just in this lifetime, things have evolved, but that adds just me, you know, and I was actually was tearing up as you said it, it was like, oh, you know, almost like I could like feel it in my gut. Um, and why, you know, when I see those stories or, you know, hear them or watch them in the movies or that they're just, it's, I, I just want to break something, you know, sometimes and upset. But then when you said, well, but you can use your position, you know, for the greater good and learn to love. And there's this other aspect of it that isn't just about, you know, smashing the patriarchy kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. of course I want some things to change there and they need to. And, and our whole conversation is about that, about what we value and all that. So I'm not saying let go of that, but also, you know, include in that, like, not just to make the best of it, but no, you, you really still have a lot of power and how are you going to use that power and what are you going to do to empower women and, and, you know, empower. So, wow. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather, if that's the space that you're in, and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women. And coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go. It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up, but now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, 
www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. That is yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much. What a gift. You're welcome. And the thing about past lives that I find is really interesting, Gertrude, is that I think uh, I talk in analogies a lot because it gives our human minds a frame of reference for all this woo-woo stuff that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And my analogy for past lives is we'll see a theme that will run through multiple lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And we all come in with things that we want to explore when we incarnate. Our spirit wants to explore things. And when we see that running theme, and we've just made several analogies that correlate with these two lifetimes of yours, is think of Shakespeare's Hamlet. How many times has Hamlet been performed since Shakespeare wrote it in 1602? Who knows? But certainly different time period, what was happening in the world, different location, what city, what country, Mm. what what was the climate? What was the language? Who were the actors? Who was the director? Who was the producer? Was it inside? Was it outside? So many different variables, same script, different perspective. And that's what I see our spirit doing. Each Mm -hmm. lifetime we expand, we explore things from our perspective at that time in that lifetime. And then we build on that. Certainly today, look what you're doing to empower and educate women. Mm -hmm. That you couldn't have done that back then. It wasn't possible. And in this day and age, you have a global audience and and you're able, your reach is so much bigger. And, And back then you went through that marrying somebody you didn't want to marry for strategic alliance situations, you know, reasons for the family and you made the best of it and Mm -hmm. you, you flourished in it. And then you took what you learned in that lifetime. And then you ramped it up in the next lifetime and kept ramping it up until you came to this lifetime and you'll ramp up the next one after this. The other thing I think that's important to remember is that time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time is a human creation. Mm-hmm. So we think, oh my gosh, all those lifetimes. I mean, that's so long ago. It may not even be a blip on the radar screen mm-hmm. of all those lifetimes combined. And then you really want to watch people's heads explode. You say sometimes lifetimes, some schools have thought our lifetimes exist simultaneously. They coexist yeah, simultaneously. Oh, so yeah. mind-blowing. It's like so hard to even wrap your, I, right. It makes it in a wordless way, it makes so much sense. Like I, it's like, well, yeah, of course. And then, then when I try and think about it, I'm like, I I can't even, you know, (laughs) me neither. (laughs) Me neither. Is it feasible though? Certainly. Do we understand it? No. Will we understand it when we're back in non-physical and we're in heaven? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, okay. Well, there's several directions I'm thinking about here, but one, while we're on this mother daughter aspect, I wanted to name something and, and just at least acknowledge it and see where we want to take it, which is in your book, when you describe being, um, at someone's bedside as they're dying, you know, and with them and 
with them through their transition experience, uh, there's always a role that the mother takes uh, in this. And I just found that so fascinating and profound. And I wanted to ask you to just speak to that for a couple of moments. Sure. Everybody, when they die, will go through this too. We all go through the what I call the 12 phases of transition. And that's a configuration of angels and deceased loved ones and the spirits of de- deceased pets that surround us as we're in the dying process. And the mother energy, the mother spirit that's closest to the person who's dying is always the one running the show. So for instance, my mother's deceased. If I was dying, my mother would be running the show. If she was still alive, it would be my maternal grandmother. If she was still alive, it would be her mother. It's always on the maternal line, Mm -hmm. which surprised me because the first time I saw this Gertrude was when my own mother was dying 20 years ago. And I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. But it was my grandmother, my Mima, who had died six months prior to my mother, who was running the show. I thought it would be her guardian angel or it'd be God, like having some kind of air traffic control, putting this together or something. I didn't, I didn't know. And, and so my Mima was there first. And then my mother's father spirit showed up. Well, he died when she was 12. Mm-hmm. I had seen pictures of him, but I, I never met him. He was there. And then this, this these angels came in mm-hmm. and the angels appear to me like what you would, what you imagine probably is the same. We were taught as little right. Catholic girls that yeah. big wings, white gown, flowy hair to the shoulder, barefoot. Sometimes a, a belt made out of a rope tied at the waist kind of a thing. That's how they're depicted. So that's how we're taught they look. So that's how they appear to me. So I'll know what that energy is. Mm. Certainly somebody raised in a different culture may see angels as just a blob of green energy or something totally different. And as the person approaches death, this circle of angels anchored by the parent spirit still with the mother running the show from the spirit world. She's in, she is large and in charge. Mm. That circle starts to open up into a horseshoe, eventually into a straight line across the foot of the bed. And then many, many other spirits show up and the spirits of deceased pets show Mm. up as well, which really amazed me. I saw I saw spirits of people that had been dead for 20 or 30 years. I saw spirits of people that I'd never met who were my mother's relatives, like her grandparents and her great grandparents that I'd never met, but they, I'd seen pictures of them. Mm -hmm. I saw, I saw dog spirits that we had when I was growing up, my family, I saw dog spirits that my mother had that I'd seen in pictures. And at her funeral, my uncle and his wife flew in my uncle and aunt. And I said, who's this dog? And I described the dog. He goes, oh, that's fluffy or that's Randy or whatever the dogs. I mean, he knew instantly who that was. There was uh, one of the fun stories about that is my Aunt Irene, my, my uh, mom's brother's wife, they lost a toddler, their mm. sixth child. She drowned in their backyard pool oh, at about she was probably about 14 months, maybe 15 months. And I told Aunt Irene, I said, I, I saw Mima, my grandmother with her holding her. And I said, 
she is, she's, whenever she appears to me, she's wearing this little pink cotton dress with smocking across the chest and little puppy sleeves, you know, those little baby doll sleeves, like little babies do little girl babies wear. And she said, that's the dress we buried her in. Oh my God. Well, when she died, I was three. I wasn't at the funeral. I didn't know that. <laughs> and it- that was, I was, I said, okay, well, that's how she always shows up to me. So back to spirits are going to show up to us in a way that either we can identify them or we can give that information to somebody with whom we're talking so they can identify them in that situation. So it's, it's just, it's really comforting to know that it's the mom. Another important point is our spirits attached to our mom's energy field before we're conceived. I, I'd love to, I would, I totally believe that. So I'd love to hear you. Talk yeah. About that. They, they look like I talked to a woman this morning, a client this morning, and I was describing, she was having some infertility opportunities. And I said, well, you have two babies energy above your right shoulder. And they look like little orbs, Gertrude, mm-hmm. the kind that you'd see on a photograph. Sometimes we'll say, oh, that camera must've been screwy or there was a yes. speck of light. No, those are spirits. If you blow those up on a, on a desktop screen, like a monitor, sometimes you can see faces in them. Oh, and I they remind that. me of the bubble that Glenda the Good Witch flies into mm, Munchkin Land inside yes. in the Wizard of Oz. That's what they look like. So the baby's energy attaches to the mom's energy field before they're born. We choose our parents. We choose when we're born, where we're born, to whom we're born, all of that. And adopted baby's energy does the same thing. Mm. And so she's she's they're considering doing uh, embryo adoption, which was fabulous. She said that yes. I can carry the baby. And she said, and we're considering regular adoption as well. Hmm. And, and they were considering egg donor and they're considering all these different things. And I said, well, however, that baby comes in is irrelevant because those babies have already chosen you. Hmm. The back to the 12 phases of transition on my website, askjulieryan.com. There are illustrations of the 12 phases. And there's a button there where you can click on it. You can download, there's a free download of the chart of the 12 phases. And when somebody has a loved one who's dying, I'll say, go to the website, download the chart, save it on your phone. Mm-hmm. And then all you have to do, cause back to our heads, our big satellite dishes is you just say, what phase is grandma in? And you'll get a number. It'll be seven, eight, whatever. And then you can refer to the chart and it'll give you a, a visual yeah. in an illustrative way. So whether that, you can do that. literally like see it yourself, you can know and oh yeah, like, and know well, you're going to get an answer. Happening. Yeah, absolutely. You ask what phase is my grandmother in, what phase of transition. It's the first thing that pops in your head as fast as you can snap your fingers or sometimes even before the questions even thought out mm-hmm. and it'll come in. And then you can refer to that. And if you see your loved ones progressing through six, seven, eight, fairly quickly, you'll know, okay, it's time to get the family in here, regardless of what the doctors are saying. It's time to get the family in here. People can be at phase 11. Phase 12 is liftoff with angels on either side, but they can be at 11. They can go back to two. They can can survive. One of my brother's best Mm -hmm. friends 
was at phase 11. He was having surgery. I didn't think he'd get out of the operating room. 20 years later, he's up walking around just fine. So it's not an exact science, like nothing no, is, it's not but, like, but it's a guide. It's, it's very reliable. And so what you, you gather the family together and, and grandma lives for another two years. How wonderful grandma Great. knew you were all there. Exactly. Yeah. And we got to be in that experience more fully and, you know, more connected right away. So I love right. that it brings that. And, and I also want to underline from what you said about, you know, the maternal side that's there as you transition out of life. And then also even preconception, you know, that's there, that just underlining the power of that. And I don't have to say woman, but, you know, feminine aspects, you know, spirit, like that's pretty down powerful, right? It is. And it's when I hear things like that, that I, you know, not like it makes it okay, but yeah, no wonder if, if we're going to move into, you know, and try and create a world that is more left brain thinking oriented, like, yeah, we're going to just squash that and, and try and belittle it. Or, you know, cause I was thinking about what you said, you know, there's no way I could do what I'm doing now back in that, in the eight, in 1831. Well, if you were doing what you were doing, you would have been burned at the stake, right? Like you would, you know, <laughs> <laughs> bad things would have happened to both of us, you know, um, in that regard. So that we've moved that along, but I, I always think that speaks to, you know, just the beautiful power of, of our feminine yin aspects, you know, that is, isn't man, woman, you know, it's male, female that we're, we just want to have equal energy, equal, you know, the equality to me is all about value, you know, and that we value all those aspects. And I think that's what your work does so profoundly is value those, you know, very feminine aspects that aren't, uh, that, you know, even though we're safe and, you know, you're not going to get burned at the stake, they're still not the norm yet. Right. And they, and I think that once we bring those more online, it's a lot will change in our world that, that needs to. So I wanted to underline that because I think it's very true. Well, one more thing that we talked about doing, because I, and I selfishly get to like, you know, do this, but at the same time, I love highlighting the different aspects of the work that you do. So, you know, we highlighted kind of the, the psychic or like the past life aspect, the being there and, and being able to call upon and, and participate in the passing of, of someone, you know, which I think is just as beautiful when we get rid of our thinking about death is like so bad and scary. It's just as beautiful as life coming in, you know, like our, our life going out. I think you also really underline that. Um, but the medical intuitive aspect, because I told Julie before we started recording that I'm dashing off to get a ultrasound on my calf because I've, I've had issues. It's, it's sore and it's been going on a long time. And it started concerning me because I have a history of, of a blood clot and a pulmonary embolism that I had probably, oh gosh, how long ago is that? Five years, five, six years, something like that. Um, so I said, if, if you're game, you know, maybe we could visit what's going on in my calf and, and do that. And you said, yes. Sure. Absolutely. One point I want to make 
before we do that, just back on the 12 phases of transition is that everybody goes through 12 phases, regardless of how they die. If they die instantly, like in the case of a homicide or suicide, or they die over a prolonged period of time, days, weeks, months, years, even everybody goes through the 12 Mm -hmm. phases. And remember, time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time's a human creation. And then one other point along those lines, I believe that cultures have known this since the beginning of time. Two reasons. Number one, on the maternal thing, in the Jewish tradition and faith, the child is not considered to be a Jew unless the mother that births it is Jewish. I have friends that converted to Judaism because they wanted to raise their kids Jewish because it was very important to their husband and the husband's family. And so they did so that the children would be Jewish when they were born. The other thing that corroborates, I think that this has been around since the beginning of time, I believe that people have been able to see these phases of transition because in the Roman Catholic funeral, there's a prayer said at the end of every Catholic funeral. I know you've been to many as I have, and it's called in paradisum, which Mm -hmm. talks about the angels and your deceased ones, your deceased loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise in paradisum means in Latin into paradise. So when I was writing my book, I thought, Oh gosh, where did that prayer originate? Because that's what I see when somebody's dying. And 99.99999% of the time, I'm not with them. I'm doing this remotely Mm -hmm. and helping the family through this. So what I learned, Gertrude, is that the in paradisum originated as a fifth century Gregorian chant. Well, certainly people were not well-educated and maybe Mm -hmm. it took till the fifth century till somebody was. And who were the most well-educated people? Who were the most learned people? They were men living in monasteries and synagogues. And so some monk wrote down what everybody was able to see. And it stayed there since the fifth century as part of their ritual. I find that remarkable. Yeah. That that's still there. So back to the underlining that. Yeah. Back to the medical intuitive part of the equation. That's most of the work that I do. And people go to see many, many doctors and they have lots of different diagnoses and different treatment programs and treatment suggestions. And they usually come to me when they have symptoms that just will not abate. And they just think, oh my gosh, I just don't even, I I don't know where to go. And doctors send clients to me as well when they don't know what the deal, they don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on. And so I work with people all over the world. Again, I turn my abilities on and off and I'm like a human MRI. So I'll connect my spirit to their spirit telepathically. I'll close my eyes. I'll watch a laser beam come from me wherever I am. You could be on Mars and I could scan you. It doesn't matter. You could be in another solar system. It doesn't matter (laughs) because it's my energy connecting with yours. And then three things happen. Number one, something's identified. Immediately thereafter, there's some type of energetic healing that will begin. And that can take the form of something getting added, something getting removed. I watch procedures all the time in my mind's eye that emulate what I saw in operating rooms for decades when I was in there developing products, testing prototypes, that kind of thing. 
Sometimes I see healings that utilize methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. And regardless of what I'm seeing in my mind's, I'm very descriptive with you because Mm -hmm. if you can envision it, it's going to help integrate the healing into your body. So at the end of the day, the healing will happen on the energetic level. It will integrate into your body. That can happen instantly. It can take days, weeks, months that may need some kind of complimentary care, like going to get a sonogram on your calf Mm -hmm. (laughs) and getting medicine perhaps or whatever. But certainly it's always our spirit's prerogative to utilize the healing in a way that's going to best facilitate whatever it is our spirit's exploring. And you know, as well as anybody, nobody heals anybody else. We all heal ourselves. Totally. At the end of a surgery, the surgeon's going to close the incision with sutures and, and staples. The surgeon doesn't make the patient's skin grow back. The patient makes their own skin grow back. And that's with everything, whether it be a, a doctor or other medical provider, or a shaman or a healer or whatever. We facilitate the person healing themselves. And that's mm-hmm. what I do. So what? So the work that I do on the medical side of the equation is, I believe, complementary. It's part of the healing equation to Western and Eastern medicine mm-hmm. as we know it. And and. Now I know why I spent all the, all that time in the hospital supply industry for 30 years. Yes. Because I have enough of knowledge base that I have some idea of what I'm seeing. And then I can always ask spirit. So it's spirit that works through me and with me to help facilitate healing. Mm -hmm. So that's how it works. Yeah. So do you want me to scan you? Please. Okay. All right. Here comes my laser beam from sweet home, Alabama, (laughs) pen to you up in Chicago. And because you're in Chicago, right? I am. Yeah. That's okay. That's what I thought. All right. And then um, shooting energy. So the energy is going to your right calf first. Is it your right leg? It is. Okay. All right. And tell me what your symptoms are. Yeah. Well, it started about a month ago. And at first it felt like a pulled muscle, like up near my, like kind of in the back of my leg, like where my knee and or, you know, where you bend your leg. Right. So I right. thought Ooh, I like strain something there and then that lasted. And then it kind of went away and it's come, it's weird because it feels like it's like traveling around my leg, like different sorenesses are happening in my leg. And this most recently now, it just kind of feels like a somewhat of a throbbing, but kind of a, like, I, I have a hard time walking on it. It's um, a little swollen, but not like, and um, is it hot and it's, but it's not hot. Not hot. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not seeing a blood clot in my mind's eye. I'm seeing some kind of muscle thing going on. Okay. So muscles look like fibers to me. And what I'm watching is I'm watching stem cell energy get applied to it. Now, stem cell energy looks like a light amber colored gel. It's kind of watery, has sparkles in it because we got to have sparkles in some of this stuff to make it fun. Of course. And it reminds me of Dippity Doo. Remember Dippity Doo back yeah, in the I day? Do. Yeah. We're similar age. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, it was a hair gel in the 60s and 70s that um, that women used. And I had a babysitter that used, I thought it was just the coolest stuff mm-hmm. when I was little. So uh, there's a vortex that's spinning above the back of your knee or not above behind the back of your knee. And what it's doing is it's, it's fixing those fibers that look like they are torn reminds me of when I see a muscle tear, the, the, uh, 
big rope, maybe the twisted rope that's used to dock a ship or a boat. Yeah. And sometimes it'll get frayed on the outside of that rope. The rope is still sturdy, but it's starting to fray a little bit. That's what this looks like to me. So I think your muscles are trying to heal and then you walk or you're doing something. I keep doing something to. Yeah. And it's tweaking them again. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching that heal. Interesting thing about this stem cell energy healing is this stuff can regenerate anything. And it's so fascinating to watch because there have been times where organs are regenerated with it and they show up on subsequent scans and it freaks out the doctors. That's hilarious when that happens. But I believe what I'm watching in my mind's eye is I'm watching what the body does on its own all day, every day. Do you think about going back to your grade school science lessons, every cell has a nucleus, every nucleus is surrounded by cytoplasm. Cytoplasm is a watery gel like dippity-doo. And our bodies have a centrifugal force in them that rotates and it causes the cells to divide and replicate. I'm just watching that happen in warp speed. So I'm talking to you, I'm getting information. I call that divine downloads. I'm getting information (laughs) downloaded into my head and I'm watching it in my mind's eye, even with my eyes open. So good thing we're girls because we can multitask. It's just an superpower. I can be with you as you're working. That's right. right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I'm glad you're getting the ultrasound. I'm not seeing a blood clot. Um, I've seen plenty of them. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing you've tweaked your muscle doing something, well, your calf muscle. I knew it was a little risky to say, cause if, if it was, it'd be like, Oh, okay. But either way, I, I, I trust your scan as much or more as I do an ultrasound. So I'm <laughs> well, let me know what to, they show I up. Will. Yeah, no, I and will. If a blood clot shows up, believe it or not, the, the more important issue, the more pressing issue is going to be your muscles. Yeah. In your leg, because the most important thing is going to show first. So when I have an hour with a client, most of the time we'll do, we'll do medical. We can do a deep dive. I'll do several scans. Okay. We'll scan your liver. We'll scan whatever. I'll say, what are your symptoms? And then I'll hit all of those things. But I always go in blind first because I want to see where the energy is going to go first, Mm -hmm. because that's going to be the most pressing issue. And then I'll hit the other things. And then normally we'll talk to deceased loved ones or I'll scan their pet or we'll do a past life thing or whatever. We cram a lot into an hour and it's a blast. It is so much fun. Well, I've had the wonderful opportunity to actually do a real, you know, a session session, not our podcast session, which is still just as amazing, but um, having a whole hour with you, I highly recommend because I just got this one and I have another one actually scheduled. I already told Julie for next week. So we'll be able to dig into this further and take some of what we worked on today further, which I'm very excited about, but would you let everyone else know? We've mentioned some things kind of along the way, and there'll be obviously all the ways to get a hold of you and the show notes, but what are some ways that, uh, my audience can connect with you? Some of the best ways. Ask julieryan.com. Every, that's the best place to spark, mm-hmm. to, to spark, to start <laughs> and, uh, follow me on Instagram at ask Julie Ryan. And then that we post stuff all the time, Instagram, Facebook, all those, all those social media challenge ch- channels, uh, everything's at ask Julie Ryan. And I'd love to offer my book to any of your listeners. Okay. 
that's interested, uh, I'd be delighted to give it to you as a gift for free and angelic attendance. What really happens? I have props. I'm like, you know, on a game yeah. show here, she's showing her book for angelic those who attendance. Might be listening. That's right. You might be listening, but, you- but check the, check the YouTube channel and you'll be able to see it. Well, what really happens? Really generous and wonderful, yeah. Julie. And yes. then my children's books. I've got angel messages for cats, for dogs, and for mm-hmm. kids. And they are darling picture books, illustrations. They maybe have 20 sentences, short sentences in them. And so if you have kids or grandkids and you like a copy of those, mm-hmm. let us know. And just go to askjulieryan.com, click on the Ask Julie button, say, Hey, I heard John Gertrude's show. I'd love a copy of your book. And we will send you the digital uh, download and the audiobook version for free as a gift. That's a beautiful gift, uh, Julie. And you have a live radio show. Right? I do. I, I do. Might Thursday well night. Yes. I, every I know Thursday it's on your website, night. but go ahead and say it here. Yeah. Every Thursday night, Ask Julie Ryan is the name of the show. It's live. It's actually broadcast out of Chicago. And that's where it goes up on the satellite out of Chicago the, and the stations in Evanston, actually, oh, but it's, it's a Chicago cool. land station yes. and talk radio. And then we remove the ads and then we release it as a podcast and also as YouTube. So it's on all of the podcast distribution channels and YouTube and on Alexa. And that's Thursday night at eight Eastern. And it's a call-in show. It lasts two hours and people call in from all over the world and ask me health questions. Can you talk about my dog? I I had one last night, Gertrude, where a woman called in and her son who's in the military has been missing for almost a couple of years. And we had a conversation with her son's spirit and Mm. it's just all across the board. And it's a blast. It's such Beautiful. a crapshoot because I never know who's going to call in or what their questions are going to be. And it's very fast paced. It's very fun. You can listen to it, download it, and, and it'll, it'll cheer you it up is. because it the is. vibe is to, very high. I have listened to episodes and I've loved it. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much, Julie. I can't wait for everybody to listen. This will be putting the show up uh, soon. So my listeners will have a hold of it very soon. And uh, thank you and look forward to our future times together. Me too. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.